It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. Superglue for the atmosphere. How Sulfuric Acid Increases Cloud Formation. That's the title of a science report published in ScienceDaily.com. Question, are you okay with sulfuric acid clouds over your head? The report continues with this. Sulfuric acid contributes to the formation of tiny aerosol particles, which play an important role in the formation of clouds. A new study shows that dimethylamine can tremendously enhance new particle formation. The formation of neutral nucleating clusters of sulfuric acid and dimethylamine was observed for the first time. Second question, was this chemical cloud combination actually just observed for the first time or just disclosed for the first time? You decide. The Science Daily Report then states dimethylamine can act as, quote, superglue because when interacting with sulfuric acid, every collision between a cluster and a sulfuric acid molecule bonds them together irreversibly. The results allow for very detailed insight into a chemical system which could be relevant for atmospheric particle formation. The report continues, the observed process of particle formation from sulfuric acid and dimethylamine could be relevant for the formation of cloud condensation nuclei. Earth's radiation budget, climate, as well as precipitation patterns can be influenced in this manner, the report states. So again, I ask, would the public be okay with chemical superglue clouds if they had any idea it was going on? I think not. Welcome to the Bad News Broadcast, breaking reports in a moment. Buckle up, because we're in for a ride. Newfromforms.com is geoengineering the answer to global climate crisis. This is all new from this week. There's about a dozen articles every day out now, and still the so-called climate science community won't admit to what's clearly happening in our skies. New from heatmapnews.com. Scientists are coming around on geoengineering, a.k.a. climate engineering. And new from oilprice.com. Is it time to embrace geoengineering? Question mark. And now let's add this from a website that calls itself fullfact.com. And well, with a name like that, they must be telling the truth, right? Not so much. Here's their new headline report. Images show contrails, not quote chemtrails from geoengineering. And for those that care to check out this climate engineering cover-up site, how do they prove that we're only seeing harmless condensation in our skies and not sprayed dispersions of climate engineering contamination because they say so. That's it. That's their proof. And for far too many that desperately want to believe the everything is okay, just go back to sleep lies, they don't need proof. Just some so-called fact-checking source to tell them that their government is taking care of them. What a colossal delusion that is. And now with each passing week, again, there are literally dozens more articles from the so-called climate science community calling for the deployment of climate engineering, pretending it hasn't already been ongoing for over 75 years, so shockingly obvious in our skies that only the hopelessly programmed or the clinically blind can't see it. From OpenMind.com, will humans bring about our own extinction? Question mark. If the current course is continued, the short answer to that question is yes. 
There are still those today who see the natural environment as ornamentation, that view its conservation as the concern of rich countries and climate change as purely an environmental problem. But the truth is that our very survival as a species depends on all of this. And man's intentional intervention in the climate system is the epitome of human insanity. You're listening to the weekly installment of the Commercial Free Non-Political Global Alert News Report, the end of the world as we know it broadcast, brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of global climate engineering operations, a.k.a. weather warfare. Reaching a critical mass of awareness is the only way forward in this fight. We can, we must reach a critical mass by starting a conversation on climate engineering that leads people to a credible source of data. Geoengineeringwatch.org will continue all of our efforts to be the go-to source on covert climate engineering operations. If you want to know how you can help, go to the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. On the left column, find the activist suggestions link for specific instructions on how you can help to move this fight forward. This is a fight on which all other causes and concerns depend. When the planet stops supporting life, and we cannot hide from what they're dispersing in our skies. There is no place to run from this. If we don't deal with this and the ship goes down, a.k.a. planet Earth, all other causes, all other concerns, moot points. Most Americans believe that they are free, but is that the truth? What kind of freedom is this to believe what the matrix manipulators tell us to believe and to deny what they tell us to deny? Is that freedom? None are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. It's a quote from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Timeless words of wisdom from Martin Luther King. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. That's from Nelson Mandela. And those innocent others, those that do not have a voice except for us, doesn't just refer to the countless civilians that in conflict zones around the world are being brutalized to a degree that few in first world nations are even willing to face, let alone to stand against. Our collective responsibilities must also include protecting the unquantifiable innocence in the web of life. Those that swim, that fly, that crawl, all of them that have no voice except for us. Those threads in the web of life on which our lives completely depend. And when they perish, we will follow. Every link in the miraculous web of life is declining and dying, while the majority in first world nations are focused only on holiday festivities. But in reality, we, any of us, all of us, aren't even free to breathe air that isn't tainted, to drink water that isn't polluted, to have access to food that isn't toxic. And though there are countless sources contributing to the factors I just mentioned, above it all, the still officially denied and publicly ignored climate engineering sprayed aerosol dispersions which are ubiquitously contaminating every square inch of our formerly thriving planet, along with every breath we take, and every breath that every living thing takes. Is that freedom? 
How many will continue to wave their flags for political puppets of one stripe or another, pretending that elections have or ever have had any point? And the cast of candidate clowns is a harbinger of just how dark a corner we find ourselves in. In the words of comedian George Carlin, if voting mattered, they wouldn't let you do it. The state exists to protect itself, not populations who are ultimately the cannon fodder for the state. Government-crafted and sponsored so-called patriotism has never been about, quote, freedom and democracy. It's about empire. It's about resources and controlling populations with endless propaganda. Time to wake up. Populations aren't just expendable to the power brokers, but rather are a rapidly increasing liability on a rapidly dying planet. Desperation is increasingly dictating behavior in all factions of so-called society. Collapse isn't coming, it's here. Though even now, far too many have their eyes wide shut. The manipulators of the matrix are playing their hand while thinning the herd. Based on all the factors that are already far past the breaking point, it would seem highly unlikely that the current paradigm will hold together until the mass distraction U.S. elections next year. From the New York Times, Houthi attacks on commercial ships in Red Sea threaten global economy. And let's add this from my dear friend Robin Westerna, a journalist from New Zealand. The Western alliance against the Houthis appears not to be getting off the ground. And for the record, before I press on, the collapse of the natural world dictates the collapse of the loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute economy on which modern society has been based. It cannot be otherwise. Nature has historically provided 75% of all global GDP for free. No more. The party's over. And from First Post TV in India, about the shipping in the Red Sea, the Suez Canal, why Saudi Arabia ditched the Red Sea coalition. Yes, so many around the world have had enough of the U.S. hegemony, the looting, plundering, pillaging, and polluting of their nations in order to maintain the so-called American dream of mass consumption. The equation that consists of the U.S. being 5% of the global population, but consuming 25% of the remaining global resources. So, am I somehow insinuating that nations like Saudi Arabia are on higher moral ground in some way? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is that some of the cast of criminals have had enough of the biggest bully on the playground, the U.S. and the U.S. military, which is bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined. Clearly, there is a reason that so many populations in so many countries around the world are now allying against the U.S. empire and its primary ally in the region, a.k.a. the Middle East, that clearly is actually the controlling entity of this destructive duo. Again, for the record, the U.S. military has almost 800 bases around the world in everyone else's backyard and or on their border. This is called empire. It is the pursuit of resources to sustain the empire at gunpoint. It has nothing whatsoever to do with preserving the proverbial, quote, freedom and democracy. What a ferocious farce that narrative is and always has been. In fact, here's a glaring example of U.S. arrogance and hubris. The following is a word-for-word -word announcement I recorded, aired this week on Fox 
News. You can call it that. It's an ad for its new Newsmax affiliate. Quote, it's our America. We conquered it. We built it with great values like honesty, great courage, and fairness. Stop there with this question. Is not that statement a contradiction in and of itself? Yes, the Europeans conquered America, genociding the U.S. indigenous population in the process, including my ancestors, the Choctaw. The invaders wiped out the buffalo with a core objective of eliminating the food supply of the Native Americans. The game is played the same today, but with much more covert operations that are occurring in our skies. Control the food supply, thus control the populations. Nothing has changed. And let's put some numbers on the equation of the buffalo, for example. When the so-called colonists arrived in the U.S., there were over 60 million buffalo. By the time the killing off of these magnificent beasts was halted, there were only some 500 left. Stop and think about that. Question. Can all of what I just covered be honestly described as falling under the category of, quote, great courage and fairness? I think not. And again, the same policies are being covertly continued to this day. The U.S. and its controlling ally nation in the Middle East have very successfully manipulated the majority of their populations. It simply requires the orchestration of events that blindly galvanize already programmed populations into blind and unquestioning support of the controllers. It has always been so, but it won't always be so. As if we remain on the current course, we won't be here for much longer, nor will they. A.K.A. dead planet, no people, no nature, no life. Speaking of nature, here's the title of a new science study published this week in Nature.com. Weather whiplash events in Europe and North Atlantic assessed as continental scale atmospheric regime shifts. The report states the term weather whiplash describes abrupt transitions from one persistent weather regime to another substantially different one, such as from a frigid cold spell to anomalous warmth. Weather whiplash events, WWEs, are often highly disruptive to agriculture, ecosystems, infrastructure, and human activities. So there you have it. The term I have constantly utilized over the last decade and a half to refer to the extreme weather and temperature fluctuations that are a direct result of completely out of control climate intervention operations is now consistently being used by the so-called climate science community, so much so that they have assigned it its own acronym, WWE, Weather Whiplash Event. Imagine that. Next, from Climate Action Australia, COP out, apocalypse next, exclamation point. I'll clarify that headline. The COP28 climate conference was a farce, a facade, that behind the scenes was nothing more than pressuring nations around the world to actively or passively participate in the ongoing and expanding climate engineering onslaught while keeping business as usual until the moment of impact, which grows closer by the day. An overinflated record high stock market means exactly zero, except that it pacifies populations, miring them in normalcy bias and their daily pursuits of pleasure 
and blinding them to the oncoming train. Which brings us to the second half of this Climate Action Australia headline, the quote, apocalypse next part. And that part of the headline needs no explanation, does it? Everything is dead. How record drought is wreaking havoc on the Amazon. That headline is from aljazeera.com. The report continues, communities in the Amazon that rely on the rainforest's waterways now find themselves struggling with fire and plunging water levels. Nine heat waves have hit Brazil since the beginning of the year with the heat index in Rio de Janeiro soaring to almost 60 degrees Celsius. That's 140 degrees Fahrenheit in November. Imagine that, the Amazon dying by the day. When considering the climate engineering issue, two statements apply. First, climate intervention operations are the crown jewel covert weapon of the controllers, the weapon with which the power structure can bring populations to their knees without those populations ever even knowing they were under assault. Second, there can be no legitimate discussion of climate anything from any perspective without first and foremost addressing the core issue of climate engineering operations. How many Americans, or first world nation, anyone, has a clue that the terrestrial lungs of the planet, by far the most biodiverse region in the world, aka the Amazon, is baking, drying, and dying by the day? How many know, and even if they knew, how many would show by their actions that they actually care? From the clouds to the ground, the rapid acceleration of power structure orchestrated atrocities continues unabated. Far too many are being completely distracted from the wider horizon as the oncoming train of total collapse closes in. And about the Matrix Media Ministry of Mass Distraction, Fox News continues to lead the pack. And though all corporate media is little more than propaganda and entertainment, Fox is the head of the spear, pushing propaganda between episodes of what amounts to twisted attempts at stand-up comedy. I don't believe any will see humor in what's coming for us all. Moving on, from Wired.com, hurricanes are now made of microplastics. When Hurricane Larry made landfall two years ago, it dropped over 100,000 microplastics per square meter of land per day. It's another ominous sign of how plasticized the environment has become. Let's stop there. Do an online search of this heading. Dangers of inhaling microplastics. The list of dire health impacts is far too long to even begin to adequately cover in this broadcast, though I have made mention of the microplastics and polymer fiber exposure dangers in many past installments of Global Alert News. Think about that quantity in that single storm. 100,000 particles per square meter. Again, for the record, polymer fibers are a primary element named in climate engineering cloud seeding patents. Try not to breathe. Am I denying the decomposing plastics in the environment are also contributing to this? No, I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying is when we have an intentional climate intervention Manhattan project happening in our skies that are dispersing tens of millions of tons annually of elements like this, including also aluminum nanoparticles, manganese, barium, strontium. It's truly a witch's brew. But when that factor is ignored, it's criminal. 
question how many organizations pretend to be diligently searching for the cures to diseases while systematically ignoring the core causes. Welcome to the planetary asylum. Hypocrisy and denial and deception across the board. Also from Wired.com, inside Mark Zuckerberg's top secret Hawaii compound, the report continues, Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg is building a sprawling $100 million compound in Hawaii complete with plans for a huge underground bunker. A Wired investigation reveals the true scale of the project and its impact on the local community. Nobody working on this project is allowed to talk about what they're building. Almost anyone who passes compound security, from carpenters to electricians to painters to security guards, is bound by a strict non-disclosure agreement, according to several workers involved in the project. And they say these agreements aren't a formality. Multiple workers claim they saw or heard about colleagues removed from the project for posting about it on social media. Different construction crews within the site are assigned to separate projects and workers are forbidden from speaking with other crews about their work, sources say. Some major compartmentalization, eh, Mark? The report continues, the project is so huge that a non-insignificant share of the island is bound by the NDA non-disclosure agreement, but everyone here knows who's behind it. Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Meta, who bought the land in a series of deals beginning in August of 2014. Building permits put the price tag for the main construction of the Zuckerberg bunker at around $100 million. What do you think he's preparing for? That shouldn't be hard to fill in that blank. New Zealand, considered by some to be the ideal place to wait out an apocalyptic event, is now riddled with bunkers for the tech elite. The Wired.com report then states, It's the Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club, says David, one former contract employee. Wired has agreed to withhold his real name because he was not authorized to speak to the press. Question, is it that bad? Are we this close to total collapse? Short answer, yes. We would all do well to remember that reality is what it is. We can choose to accept it well, and in doing so be far more equipped to deal with it, or we can accept it poorly or not at all, thus leaving us completely unprepared for what we collectively face on the near-term horizon. Pressing on from the New York Magazine, yes, a lot of people are getting sick right now. That's their headline. They continue with this. Welcome to sick season. According to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, New York City, along with New Jersey and at least 16 other states, are now experiencing, quote, high to very high levels of respiratory illness activity as measured by the number of weekly visits to healthcare providers and emergency rooms by people experiencing symptoms of fever, cough, and sore throat. How much is in our air? It's impossible to quantify because separate entities are looking for separate elements and nobody's really combining them all and giving us a total picture. And that's by design because all of these elements that are being reported from different agencies and entities are toxic in and of themselves. But when you combine these elements, there's what's called synergistic toxicity and the overall toxicity can increase exponentially. We know from climate engineering elements alone, aluminum, nanoparticles being a primary element, combined with mercury, which we all have in us from multiple sources, including the burning of coal, amalgam fillings, and other causal factors. When you combine those two elements, 
the synergistic toxicity can increase as much as 100 times. That's 10,000% worse. And now let's add everything else that's floating around in our air column, including microplastics, polymers, graphene, surfactants. It's a wonder any of us can even function at this point. And some things are ceasing to function. And there's more in the air than just these toxic elements. It's also being bombarded with frequency transmissions, the likes of which we can't truly know. Even those justifiably fighting against the dangers of communications transmissions, I hope that they begin to focus on the exponentially more powerful frequency transmissions that are being used for climate intervention operations. With that in mind, let's cover this next headline from CBS News. More than 100 dead geese found in Sacramento County after storm. That report states, residents woke up during the night not only to the sound of thunder, but also to thumping on their rooftops. Neighbors spent the morning collecting bodies of dead geese. A California Department of Fish and Wildlife official said, Post-mortem findings show the birds suffered blunt force trauma consistent with a sudden fall to the ground. The birds flying through the storm, it appears, again this is a statement of the fishing game official, that the birds were possibly stunned by electrical activity causing them to fall. Let's reconsider that last statement again. Stunned by electrical activity. When we observe and monitor water vapor loops as migrating moisture proceeds inland from the eastern Pacific off the U.S. west coast, heavily aerosolized moisture, that moisture is manipulated with extremely powerful frequency transmission so we can see this interaction on the water vapor loops. It is painfully obvious, yet meteorologists pretend it isn't happening. And what's it doing to the birds? Is this a part of it? If there's perhaps too powerful a frequency released. Is this the kind of catastrophe we can expect to see much more of? And what's it doing to us? Moving on, more on the dying birds. From sciencetech.com, humans have driven more than 1,400 bird species to extinction, double what was previously thought. So there it is again. Another, it's way worse than we thought, report from the so-called scientists in so many factors on which our collective futures completely depend, geoengineeringwatch.org has desperately tried to sound the alarm for a decade and a half that what was and what is unfolding is far worse and far more immediate than anything we're being told from official sources or the so-called science community. And the only reason they're beginning to admit to the truth now is because it can no longer be hidden. From DCIST.com, forests are failing to produce the next generation of trees. The report says in forests in the eastern U.S., it can be easy to miss the fact that things are going awry. Elsewhere, in places like the Rocky Mountains or the Sierra Nevada, the signs may be far more obvious. Whole hillsides dotted with dead pines, firs, or oaks. But, the report states, the biggest problem is that forests are failing to regenerate. Again, for a decade and a half, I've tried to sound the alarm on the dying of the trees, on the failure of forest regeneration. And finally, the so-called science community is alluding to the truth, only because it can no longer be denied. About our toxic planet, from calmatters.com, why California sends toxic waste south of the border? Let's stop there. That's not a hard blank to fill in, the why part, to keep it out of sight 
and out of mind, just like the half a million barrels of DDT that was dumped off the coast of LA and Long Beach harbors, just like countless other toxic dumps all over the world. For decades, business as usual, especially by the US military, other militaries as well, not downplaying their part in this. Russian military, horrible with contamination, but the US military being the biggest of all is the biggest contributor to this dilemma. And this is the calling card of far too many in the ranks of the human race. Loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute until nothing is left alive. On that note, from Earth.com, Global Tipping Points report shows humanity on a disastrous trajectory. That's a gross understatement. They continue, the Earth is currently undergoing a significant transformation due to global warming. Climate engineering, again, core part of that equation, which must be included if there's to be any legitimate discussion on the issue. The report then states the cumulative impact of these changes is leading us to what are known as tipping points in the climate system. How long has geoengineeringwatch.org tried to point that out? The report then states key indicators of these changes include the shrinking of ice sheets, rising sea levels, and the widespread die-off of coral reefs. These events are not just isolated occurrences. They represent a continuous breaking of climate records and signal a shift in the fundamental workings of Earth systems. The crossing of one tipping point can trigger additional tipping elements. Consequently, this creates a domino effect that may render some areas less suitable for human and natural systems. Now, that is a gross understatement. The current cascading consequences of ecological collapse, if we continue in this trajectory, will soon render this planet uninhabitable to life, period. Here's a glaring red flag of unfolding climate collapse being further fueled by the ever-expanding climate intervention insanity. Earlier this week, there was frozen material falling from the skies as far south as the southern U.S. And I don't want to dignify this material by calling it snow as it is the result of chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding of moisture that is often originating from the record warm Gulf of Mexico. So while this chemical nucleated concoction was helping the climate engineers and matrix media to create sensationalized headlines of winter weather, even in the Southern US, a pipeline-like manipulated flow of Gulf of Mexico moisture was flowing in a straight line all the way up the coast of the US, through Canada, and to the Southern end of Greenland, where it was falling as rain. Yes, rain in Greenland in late December, while parts of New Mexico and Arizona were getting flurries of chemical snow. Question, what will it take? How many barriers have to be broken before a significant percent of the population summons their courage, stands up, and faces the wider horizon? One way or another, we'll soon know the answer to that question. In fact, far sooner than almost any yet dare to imagine. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 437, December 23rd, 2023. This is Dane Wigginton, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is broadcast on numerous AM and FM stations throughout the country. Recordings of this broadcast can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. 
Geoengineering Watch wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and thus our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. On that subject, if you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail outs don't go to the spam files. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities. Now with, I believe, about 4.5 million views in spite of draconian Facebook censorship. The best way to share is by circulating the direct link to the dimming by email directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of the dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video or YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out and know there is no other way forward. Only with the critical mass can we reach enough of the population so that they know they are fighting for their lives and the wheels in this battle will then begin to turn on their own. When I started this journey some 20 years ago, I could only hear my own voice coming back at me and crickets and frogs. No one listened. But along the way, as others were awakened, and there are many that helped in this effort, and I'm grateful to all of them, and people in arenas like military and government realize that they're going down in the same ship with the rest of us, they join this battle, and they're in it now. The undercurrent of awareness is far greater than we can imagine, and it will surface as more and more realize you can't escape this issue. We must deal with it, or all other causes and concerns will soon be moot. To all those that are steadfastly committed to this must-win fight for all that matters, I want to express my deepest and most profound gratitude. It is our collective efforts that can still make a difference. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstances, all of us matter. All of us are needed in this epic struggle for all that we hold dear. Let's press on. More bad news from theconversation.com. Climate change is further reducing fish stocks with worrisome implications for global food supplies. Here's two points to ponder while I continue with this report. Fish catches peaked in 1996, and there's the factor of seafood nutrient losses. The report then states, threats to seafood access aren't just due to overharvesting. There's a growing body of research showing that higher water temperatures due to climate change can impact the presence and abundance of the catch through shifts in species distribution and changes in the species caught. This impacts the amount that can be harvested as well as the nutritional value of that harvest. Nutrient availability in seafood has been declining since 1990. None of that bodes well for the fate of the human race, does it? What factor is missing from this equation? Climate engineering and the fact that it is changing upper level wind currents, that changes ocean currents. It's also destroying the ozone layer that's bombarding the surface of the ocean with incredibly intense UV radiation, which is slaughtering plankton, the basis of the entire oceanic food chain and indeed life on Earth. Plankton has to feed in the upper layers of the water column to photosynthesize and it's being fried with intense UV radiation, including UVC and climate inter intervention operations, including the frequency transmissions that they utilize are the single biggest factor that's decimating the ozone layer and it's not being disclosed by any so-called science agency. From the UK Guardian, a biodiversity catastrophe, how the world 
could look in 2050 unless we act now, the report says. Absolutely no need to worry about the 2050 date. We won't make it that far. In fact, if we remain in the current course, we'll be lucky if any make 2030. Also from the UK Guardian, quarter of the world's freshwater fish at risk of extinction according to assessment, global heating, pollution, overfishing, and falling water levels among factors hitting population finds red list study. Question, did they forget the ubiquitous contamination of all water on earth, fresh and salt waters alike, all of it? There's not a single uncontaminated drop of rain on planet earth. That's not my opinion. It's peer-reviewed science study. It's undeniable. And the effects are showing up everywhere. Everything is contaminated. Study of fresh-caught fish in the U.S. Covered that in this broadcast when that report came out. 500 locations throughout the U.S. Fresh-caught fish. And the conclusion of that study, they are so contaminated that eating one of them is equal to drinking a month's worth of contaminated water. Think about that. From Yahoo News, scientists sound the alarm after salmon species finds new spawning location. An ominous sign, they say. One concern deals with all of the extra water created by ice melt. The researchers interviewed in this story don't yet know how the salmon's shifting spawning area will impact ecosystems. So how long can this last? If you have salmon that are looking for colder water and they find some streams in the Arctic due to all the extra ice melting and creating runoff, How long can that last? It's a temporary window for one species that's trying to relocate while it can. From MSN.com, 75 Alaskan rivers turn bright orange, tainting water supply, endangering humans and wildlife. Scientists investigated. Alaska's once pristine Arctic rivers are undergoing a dramatic transformation, turning a rusty bright orange color that scientists call alarming. Yeah, that's a little bit alarming, isn't it? Would you drink that water? I think not. Obviously, it's toxic. When you thaw landscapes that have been frozen, permafrost, for tens of thousands of years, bad things happen. You can't just completely alter the planet's thermal balance and atmospheric chemistry without risking the entire web of life. It's happening on so many fronts you can't begin to cover it. I could have a 10-hour broadcast. I couldn't begin to cover it all. From Reuters.com, bird flu set to spread in Antarctica causing huge damage, report says. This is a follow-up from previous broadcasts on this subject. Bird flu is likely to spread because it's getting worse further in the Antarctic region causing immense damage to wildlife according to experts on the disease that has killed hundreds of millions of birds worldwide in recent years. The spread of highly pathogenic avian influenza, that's HPAI, commonly called bird flu, to the remote southern region has raised concerns for isolated populations of species including penguins and seals that have never been exposed to the virus. Think of those films of the massive penguin colonies, how incredibly miraculous and beautiful they are. Why do they have to be exposed to this? And for any that think this is just nature behaving badly, spreading these pathogens all over, don't forget the 400 plus level four biolabs all over the globe. What do you think they're doing? Let's all just pretend it's something benevolent when in reality, it's anything but. Next, is there an unexpected magic cure? To climate collapse? From CNN, this new report, scientists uncover a surprising phenomenon in the Himalayas that might be slowing the effects of climate change. 
They say glaciers in the Himalayas are melting rapidly, but a new report showed an astonishing phenomenon in the world's tallest mountain range could be helping to slow the effects of global climate crisis. What are they speaking of? That the melting glaciers and the winds blowing across them are keeping some of the lower areas cooler for the moment. Question, is there even a shred of sanity or honesty left in the so-called science community? How long can that process last for? And we're supposed to think that that's some sort of a good thing? It's the same as the salmon, finding some cooler rivers from melting glaciers, melting ice. How long can that process last? From 360.yale.edu, a.k.a. Yale University, after a decade of planning, New York City is raising its shoreline. Inspired by the Dutch model of living with water, New York's coastal defenses are on the rise. The city, like others around the country, is combining infrastructure like flood walls with nature-based features as it moves ahead with the largest resiliency project in the U.S. This mega-project attempting to mitigate rising sea levels is yet another stunning example of tech stupidity and insanity. Where will it end? Projects like this are pitifully futile attempts to stop what can't be stopped, what's already been triggered. Wait and see. What has been will soon no longer be on so many fronts. From interestingengineering.com, scientists warn Arctic methane is a ticking climate time bomb. The report says it covers about 15% of Earth's land surface and contains large amounts of organic matter that can release methane when thawed. Again, talking about permafrost. Scientists have discovered that millions of cubic meters of methane, a potent greenhouse gas, are trapped beneath the permafrost. They have also found that this methane can migrate and escape through the permafrost's cold seal, creating a warming cycle that could lead to massive increases in methane emissions and climate change. No could, no may, no might, already is. Welcome to the party. I've been sounding the alarm on this issue at the top of my lungs for a decade and a half. What took them so long to do so? Methane when thawed, the report says, is 28 times more powerful than carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas over 100 years. Let's stop there. Because the 100-year timeline is meaningless. We don't have anywhere near that long on the current course. The short timelines are what will very soon determine our collective future. Over a 10-year timeline, methane is 120 times more potent than CO2 at trapping atmospheric heat. Over a one-year timeline, methane is hundreds of times more potent a greenhouse gas than CO2. And currently, atmospheric methane levels are as much as six to seven times higher than they've been for millions of years. And these levels are still skyrocketing. None of this bodes well for the fate of the human race and all life on Earth. Global climate intervention operations and the misguided attempt to mask the meltdown from public view are making an already very dire scenario far worse still, in addition to using weather as a covert weapon of control all over the world. What's the response of the human race to a world that is completely imploding? Build more stuff, planning for a future that will never be. As a glaring example of eyes wide shut human insanity, a reminder of this report from earlier this year from Reuters.com, Air India seals record order for almost 500 Airbus Boeing jets. What a great idea. Let's add another 500 jumbo jets to our already highly toxic jet sprayed skies. Question, is this staggeringly massive order of jets about carrying passengers on a rapidly dying planet or 
Is it about covertly adding to the climate engineering insanity? You decide. Next from MSN.com. Study reveals flawed climate change predictions. From that report, a widely used method for predicting the impacts of climate change on plant species is flawed, according to a new study. A tree thought to grow faster in hotter weather actually grew slower, exposing the problem. American researchers found that the ponderosa pine, which was expected to favor warmer weather, actually suffered detrimental effects from the warming of the past decades. The method used to predict how the tree would fare is therefore flawed, scientists say, meaning thousands of other climate change predictions for plant species may also be wrong. The climate scientists behind the study suggest this may be because the trees can't adapt fast enough. How many times have I said that on this broadcast? Nothing can adapt to the massive change in atmospheric chemistry that the human race has created with climate engineering being at the top of that equation. So it can adapt fast enough to keep up with the quickly changing climate. They warn that for ecologists to rely on predictions from this current method known as this space for time substitution could prove, quote, dangerous. This method says that ponderosa pines should benefit from warming, but they are actually suffering from the warming. This is dangerously misleading, the report states. Firsthand, from this forest where I live, Massive groves of ponderosa pines are completely imploding. And no, it's not just the beetles. It's the now dead soils. It's not soil anymore. It's dirt. Completely sterilized from the toxins in the rain. Killing soil microbiome. Killing root systems. Destroyed ozone layer is frying the tree foliage. Causing them to shut their stomata, the respiratory ports. So they can't feed. They can't feed on carbon. They can't release oxygen. None of this is being reported. It's all blamed on the beetles, which are only a symptom. Mass deception. Every arena of the so-called science community. Next, similar theme from Grist.org. Eight terrifying inconvenient truths about the, quote, fight to solve the climate crisis. Comforting lies hide horrifying truths. Here's one example. Wind turbines gently slice through the air, generating the electricity that powers our lives. A majestic sunrise creeps over the horizon. A glistening, vibrant green meadow awaits a flock of grazing sheep. Such bliss, right? A picture of sustainability, a future that's increasingly becoming a reality, we're told. But it isn't. Just like the darkest of comedies, this picture is a facade, an aberration, a myth. COP meetings are a sham. Been over that again and again. COP meetings are a waste of time. They can't question economic growth. It would be a bit like the Council of Cardinals questioning a belief in God. It's not a climate crisis, it's an ecological crisis. That's the next point. Each assumption feeds into a rather palatable conclusion. Current lifestyles can be maintained, they tell us. We just need to make a few tweaks to how we do things, and everything will be okay, except that it won't. Next, high living standards are unsustainable. The inconvenient truth is that high and rising living standards are completely incompatible with any form of sustainability. Can't be done current paradigm was never ever sustainable. I've stated that for a decade and a half. Next bullet point from this grist.org report. This is not a fight to solve anything. Often the narrative revolves around a fight to solve the climate crisis. The assumption is that we are faced with a technical problem that can be overcome through technological innovation. Underlying this assumption is yet another assumption that we still have time to maintain the environmental conditions we depend on. But this is a lie. Whether we like it or not, changes to the climate are locked in. 
Things are never going to be the same again if they're going to be at all. Changes to the climate again, locked in. Here's the horrifying reality. It can be comforting to bury your head in the sand, and that's what climate myths are designed to do. They inspire positivity, hope, optimism. They also serve a vital purpose for the controllers. Myths are being weaponized into truths to help justify the status quo. They present an illusion of change. They feed into the idea that, sure, we have a problem, but nothing technology can't handle. The inconvenient truths tell a different story. They reveal a bitter, ghastly reality that no one dares to admit. Whether we like it or not, we are facing a crisis where the opportunity to escape has long since passed. That crisis will translate into unparalleled suffering, unrest, and chaos. No amount of backslapping will prevent it at this point. In the epitome of human insanity, climate engineering is further fueling our collective descent to the bottom of the abyss. But if it's so warm, how can we have a headline like this? New from Watchers.org. The biggest blizzard ever recorded along China's coast. From that report, this extreme weather event is part of a broader cold wave sweeping across China. And northern regions are experiencing temperatures near historic lows. Contrary to earlier predictions of a warmer winter due to El Nino, China has seen a week of exceptionally cold weather. Residents observe snow flurries while Beijing temperatures drop to negative 15 degrees C. Welcome to winter weather warfare that will be followed by a weather whiplash warm-up within the next few days. The same regions of China that just endured the short-term chemical deep freeze are going to be back to above normal temperatures. And within a week, the same regions that just got hit with the winter weather warfare will be at far above normal temperatures. And there's this from MSN.com. U.S. weather, killer storm and polar snow squall to bring winter hell amid major power outage. This is just another sensationalized headline from a Gulf of Mexico-fueled, quote, winter storm. Let's add this new report from the UK Guardian. Rare industrial snowfall thought to be caused by pollution, recorded in the UK. It's all industrial snowfall when it's the particulates that are being dispersed into cloud moisture, chemical isolating elements that are producing winter weather where it should be liquid precipitation, chemical frozen material. Please search the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn much more than most want to know. But wait, it seems the climate controllers have yet again altered the script. For the most populated regions of the U.S., Warmth for Christmas is now on the schedule. The weather terrorists were perhaps too busy elsewhere to deliver a chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding cool down for the holiday from the Washington Post. Instead of a white Christmas, record warmth to blanket the Midwest. From Axios.com, Christmas forecast Midwest East to see record warm snowless holiday. From NPR News, Minnesota may see Christmas rain and warmest December on record. And from Weather Underground, 2023 could be the nation's warmest, brownest Christmas ever. About the U.S. drought monitor, it's total disinformation. They still show zero drought for Northern California, yet the below ground layers are still dry in spite of recent rains, and the seasonal creeks are a trickle. My hydropower turbine that once began to make power from late October in years past has only run for six hours this season. My location on the east side of Lake Shasta since the year 2007 is nearly 500 inches of rain short. 500. And that kind of deficit doesn't just disappear. 
Nor do the dead trees, not just from dwindling and sporadic rain, but from the toxic elements in the rain that's killing off the essential microbiome in our once fertile soils. Matrix Media sensationalizes a few flood-prone regions of California and tries to give the impression that there is plenty of rain falling in the state overall, but that's a lie. There's nothing historically normal in the weather patterns. All is tainted, all is wrong. The moisture that migrates into the U.S. from the West, from the Pacific, is often just unorganized drifting blobs of highly sprayed moisture bringing uniform drizzles and featureless skies, the kind of skies that are now the norm around so much of the world. Welcome to solar radiation management. As the Pacific moisture drifts to the east, the chemical ice nucleation cloud sitting lowers surface temperatures but dries up much of the moisture in the process. On several days this week, much of the U.S. was covered with largely rainless cloud canopy. Not nature's clouds, but climate engineering creations. The weather makers are desperately trying to whip up small-scale winter events for parts of the Rockies with a moisture feed from the record-warm Gulf of Mexico. Yes, another winter storm with the warm side and a cold side. Drought deluge scenarios are the hallmark of climate intervention operations. On that note, another from Watchers.org. Extremely heavy monsoon rains lead to fatal flooding, significant livestock losses. That's in India. One more. Deadly floods and landslides strike West Sumatra. Warnings issued in Indonesia. And in the land down under, record heat and record rain. From Reuters.com. Australia cyclone flooding and crocodile sightings. All these headlines are only a small sample of what's unfolding all over the world. We face an unimaginably exponential equation. Drought, deluge, incineration, climate engineering, all are inseparable. And all are factors that will very soon determine our near-term collective futures. Looking back in the days of my youth, I would trek far into the San Gabriel Mountains that towered above the home where I grew up, right at their base. There were trout-filled streams and massive rock escarpments, huge pines in the higher elevations. It was absolutely a wonderland for me. And from age 12, I began to spend nights in the mountains when time allowed, and I've always felt at home there. The mountains, the streams, the trees, all of it was my cathedral, was my sanctuary, was my mentor. In stark contrast, daily life below the mountains was often filled with L.A.'s air pollution that blew toward the inland valley, and the freeways, bumper to bumper. And even as a small boy, I wondered, how can this continue? I knew it couldn't. I was finally able to escape the smoggy skies of Southern California to my off-grid wilderness home in the forests of Northern California, and for the first few years, the ecosystems here and the trees were still thriving. In total solitude, I toiled in the woods, relentlessly restoring habitat that had been damaged by destructive logging operations in the past, but that were now a part of the habitat preserve that I had chosen to manage. And this was my post, then, and I relished it. I often slept in the forest, where I would awaken at first light to a chorus of my feathered friends, and there were so many of them. It sometimes seemed as if they were competing for the best song. The deer and the bears were all abundant, and even the air smelled of life, but it wasn't to last. The weather was becoming erratic and wrong, and I found myself constantly gazing skyward. The sky wasn't the same. The destructive hand of man was so shockingly visible. The lines in the sky, not just blocking the sun from my solar-powered home, but harming the forest and its inhabitants that I so deeply loved by the toxic climate engineering fallout which I had begun to test for in the rain. At my core, I knew the time for a long and arduous journey had come for me. 
my life would never be the same. A nugget of timeless wisdom from Henry David Thoreau, whose words have echoed through my mind for as long as I can remember. Quote, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately and to front only the essential facts of life and to see if I could not learn what it had to teach me and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not yet lived. The price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. At best, life is but a seasonal occupation, and what will each of us choose to do with the time we have? The deepest and most unshakable solace exists in knowing that you are doing your absolute best to respond to the calling of conscience, regardless of the consequences of being ostracized from family and peers that may perhaps choose to cling to denial and to the social programming of pursuing personal pleasures at any cost to anyone until the brutal bitter end. It is imperative to always remember and consider what is in your control and what is not. Focus on what is. And if we collectively do so without yielding to the rising sea of insanity, we may yet accomplish profound good even at this late hour. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific instructions on how you can help to move this fight forward. Decide to make your voice heard. Decide to make every day count. Decide that every single individual that your efforts helps to awaken matters in and of itself. Matters in ways that perhaps we can't yet fully know or fully understand, but it matters. Forward into the storm. Stay strong. Stay focused. Never give up. Ever. Until next week, this is Dane Wigginton from geoengineeringwatch.org.